John's Gospel and the chapter 20, and we're reading from the verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early. One of the other Gospels says very early. When it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that was John, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they've laid him. You know, I seldom read that verse that I don't think about the modernists and the humanists and the liberalists and the ecumenists and liberalists. I never read it, but I think of how they've taken the Lord away out of so many things. They've taken him out. They've taken him out of the sanctuary. He's not in our churches now in many of them. They've taken him away out of the schools. That's why you're having so much trouble, sexual troubles in England. They've banned the Lord. They've taken him away out. Taken him out of government. Taken him out of parliament. They've taken him out of so many other places. Taken him out of the scriptures, translations. They've taken him out of the old songbooks. You could go on and on and on in this day that we're living in of compromise. And if ever there was a day we needed to bring the ark back and bring back the book, this is the day in which in which we live in. So let's read on in verse 3. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then Simon Peter followed him and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie. There, there's a sermon there on its own. John was younger than Peter. Sixty years after this, we know that John is still living. And some give that the reason why John outrun Peter. Or, or Peter, yes, John outrun Peter. But I don't think that's the only reason. I think that the reason is that John was swifter on his foot than Peter than Peter had just sinned and failed. He hadn't yet been restored to the Lord. That comes in John 21. And his feet was dragging. You know, if you have unforgiveness in your life this morning and you have sin in your life this morning, you'll not be able to run the race in the way which you should run it. Paul says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and there's nothing will drag your feet and keep you from the prayer meeting as sin. Unforgiveness. Getting right with God. Peter, just before this, had oathed and cursed the Lord. And we all fail and we all fall one of the reasons that so many are not coming to the prayer meetings that should be in them because there's sin in their life of some shape or another. You're not enjoying the Lord and you're not in the race in the way that you should. That's what I, I think about these verses. Verse 7, And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. And let me stop a wee moment there. 
the bedclothes, the clothes that were wrapped round our Savior were not moved. They were not disturbed, they were undisturbed grave clothes as if he was sucked out. Now if anybody would have stole the body of Christ, they could have never done that. See, it was going round that someone stole the body. And if the thieves or him or ever stole the body, would not have rolled the napkin up, folded it up and laid it at his head. The thief wouldn't do that. This is one of the conclusive reports that our Savior lifted out of those grave clothes and never disturbed them. Now the napkin. There's a message in the napkin because it is the slave and the master. Whenever the servants attended to the master when they were eating, of course there was a napkin. And whenever he was finished his meal, he just cast the wiped his mouth and cast the napkin to one side. He was finished with it. And the servant knew to come in to clear up and tidy up. But if he was disturbed during his meal, and he had for some reason to leave the table, he folded his napkin up, and the servant knew he would come back again. He was coming back to finish. (laughs) Oh, that spoke to them and that speaks to me that he's coming back again. It's not finished yet, you know. Luke tells us the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. Oh, he's coming back. He hasn't even been away here. (laughs) He's still about, as you're going to see in a moment. He's coming again. Glory to God. Such lessons we can get from this tomb. Verse 8. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. And as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Well, they should have known it, for he told them long enough, often enough. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But. Boy, I love it. This is one of these blessed buts. But. Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre. And seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. That's the second time she said that. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her woman, Why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, Master, if thou art born him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him. And I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Oh, I wish I could say this. Mary. 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 She turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, or cling not unto me. For I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren. That's the first time he ever called them brethren. And say unto them, I ascend unto my Father, and your Father, and to my God, and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her.
And we know that God will bless to us the public reading of his own precious, infallible word. The Duchess of Westminster, first cousin to the Queen, was killed on the bypass down here the year that we came here in 1988 in a fatal accident. She was traveling to her home down in West Fermanagh, just a couple of miles up the road where we lived. She was traveling down to Ailey Lodge, the residence of the governors there. She was often seen about the town of Derrigonley in an old sports car with a hood off, a couple of dogs with her, headscarf and trousers on her. And she didn't look one bit like royalty at any time. But she was rated, they were rated as the fourth or fifth, fourth, I think, richest people in the British Isles. And she decided one day that she would donate to the local parish church some new stained glass windows. And she ordered it to go ahead, and they went ahead, and they spent months doing it, and it, uh, they're still there to this day between Enniskillen and Derrigonley, Devonish Parish Church. And whenever the workers were finishing off at the stained glass window, she wandered in one day with the headscarf, the trousers. Nobody knew who she was. And she went over to one of the workmen and she said, aren't they lovely looking? You know what he said? Some old doll with far too much money. <laughs> I wish he, he wished he'd have never said that. And I never think of that, but I think of the resurrection scene. You see, in 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension, he appeared and vanished 11 times. 11 times in nine different places. Now listen to what I'm saying to you this morning. Sometimes he appeared to one, sometimes to two, sometimes to seven, sometimes to ten, sometimes to eleven, and once to five hundred. Mark records three, Matthew two, Luke five, and Paul one. And many of the times, they didn't know who he was. There stood one amongst them, whom they knew not. Boy, they should have known. You see, along with the promises and the prophecies of the Old Testament Scripture, which it took a seven-mile journey on the resurrection day, down the road to Emmaus from the prophets and the Psalms to expound himself. And all that expounding, and plus the fact that a number of times Jesus told them during his ministry that he would rise, plus the fact that they saw the stone away in the empty tomb and the napkin and the bedclothes and the angels and the earthquake and they believed not. Unbelief. Three top lawyers, Anderson, Morris, and Clark, spent weeks studying the Scriptures on the resurrection. And they all concluded, they all done it separately, and all concluded that it was the greatest attested fact in history. And one of them stated that he conclusively convicted many cases in court with far less evidence. In order that the skeptics would be silenced, he appeared all those times, all those people, he appeared at different times at different places. He appeared one, once in the, sometimes in the morning, sometimes at night, sometimes in the afternoon, sometimes in the city, sometimes on the road, sometimes on the mountain, sometimes on the seaside, sometimes in a room, sometimes in houses. Some touched him, some sat with him, and some ate with him. This was a transitional period. Do you know what a transitional period is? He was getting them used to being without him. 
His vanishing was as more important as his appearances. He was teaching them that he was going to go. Just like a mother with a child and the wee child beginning to walk. And the child, you hold the hands of the wee child and she comes along and then you take your hands away and let it come himself. Teaching the child. He's teaching these dumb-headed men and sometimes women that he's here and that he's alive. Now five out of the eleven appearances were on resurrection day. From very early in the morning to late at night, on resurrection day, he moved from one to the other, declaring and answering the greatest question and the oldest question ever asked. It's in the book of Job. If a man die, can he live again? And has still been debated this morning. That same old question. But we know that if a man dies, he can live again. And we know that he will live again. And we know that we will be, that he was the first fruits of the resurrection. And we're going to follow one day. Have no doubt about that. Saved or unsaved, you're going to rise either to glory or to judgment. Now, the first of these five appearances on the resurrection day was to Mary of Magdala. Out of whom Luke says in chapter 8 that he cast, Jesus cast seven demons. So don't you think for a moment this morning because you have a past that God doesn't love you. Don't you think for a moment this morning but you have things in your past life that can't be forgiven and cleansed as a lie of the devil? Don't you harbor it for one moment? For if the cross and the resurrection means anything, it means life and forgiveness and power and peace and joy. Glory to God. Seven demons. She was from the ancient city of Magdala. Not there now. It was on the western shore of Galilee. It was next to Gadara. It was demon infested. Now there are those that tell us, we don't know, but those that tell us that she was a prostitute, she was a sinful woman of the streets. I don't know. I don't know about her parents. We don't know about her family. We don't know if she was married. But I know if she was, if she was controlled with seven demons... God only knows what she was at or what they had her at. One would be bad enough. But what we do know is this. What we do know from the Word of God is this. That she was, in a moment of time, she was saved and, and she was delivered and she was cleansed and she became a paragon of virtue from vice. And victory from vileness. She was on fire for God. Jesus says about John the Baptist, there was none greater born amongst men. Well, I don't believe there was a greater woman amongst women than Mary Magdalene of, because of what she done with and for Christ. One night in the prayer meeting here, Paul Crook sang to us very powerfully, never lose sight of Jesus. And from the moment this woman was delivered and saved, she never lost sight of Jesus. When he was dying, she was last at the cross. When all the disciples forsook him and fled, and even John, the beloved, left. She stayed until he breathed his last breath. And she stayed until she anointed him in death at the tomb. When he died, she was there. When they took him down, she was there. When they embalmed the body, she was there. She was there. She stayed as long as she could, to the law forbid or not, for she couldn't stay come the Sabbath day. She had to go. Oh, I tell you, 
You women listen to her this morning. Very early in the morning then, she was the first at the tomb and the last to leave the tomb and the first to see him and hear him and touch him and witness for him. He, have you got that this morning? The last at the cross, the last at the tomb, the first at the tomb. The last to leave it and the left the tomb as well. Them boys went away from the tomb, but, but Mary's dead. I tell you, some of the women have far more courage and guts in them than some of the men have. You would wonder why he didn't appear first to his old broken-hearted mother Mary, wouldn't you? Hmm? The sword pierced her very soul as her son hung. He had to get John to take her away from the cross. But he didn't appear first to his own mother Mary. There's only one word, my friend. There's one answer to what compelled, propelled, and impelled Mary of Magdalene whenever she was delivered from Christ, and that is love. Pure, agape love. And if you don't do things like this out of love, there's no use in doing them at all. Now hear me. Paul says, The love of Christ constraineth me, seizes me, arrests me, possesses me. Mary was forgiven much and she loved much. You have been forgiven much this morning. And some of you have been forgiven more than others. But you were worse than sin. But you were no worse than her. Do you love him with all your heart this morning? Are you prepared to step out for him this morning and be counted for God, mother, father? She would have heard him say, greater love is no man than this, than the man laid down his life for his friend. She would probably have heard him say, as the Father has loved me, even so I love you. Do you ever think of that statement? Jesus said, as the Father has loved you, even so love I you. Can you get that around your mind? How God loves you this morning as a father loved him. The old uncle that led me to the Lord and for man, I used to quote that when I was just a young Christian. I didn't know a word, <clears throat> I didn't know a word, a verse of scripture, a text of scripture. I didn't know where Genesis was when I got saved and he took me under his wing. I remember him catching me with the arm one day, an old farmer caught me with the arm one day. He says, I always remember this. As the Father has, Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, even so I love you. Twas love, twas love, twas wondrous love, the love of God to me that brought my Savior from above to die on Calvary. Oh, she'd have heard him. Ah, but it wasn't that that really motivated her. When she saw him hanging on the cross, stripped naked, and the crown of thorns buried down deep in his brow, I tell you, my friend, if you don't fall in love with Jesus because of the cross, we love him because he first loved us. And as she gazed upon the cross, she would have known, oh, what love this is. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Unto him that loved us and loosed us. Maybe she thought of that. Although John didn't pen it to later. Unto him that loved us and loosed us. Set us free from our sins. Unto him be the praise and the glory. 
Oh, I tell you, when you come to the cross by faith, my friend, and gaze upon Golgotha, Gabbatha, and Gethsemane even, if it doesn't fill your heart with love, we've got very cold and we've got very hard. Very cold and very hard. And whenever you see a picture of Christ hung up on a tree or in a house with a garment around him, it's a lie. As he was stripped naked for our sins. Oh, to think the Son of God, the eternal creator, the God, the Son, the mighty I am that created all things and made all things. He, heavens of heaven, couldn't con- constrain him, but he came to the matrix of the virgin's womb as a baby. I can't understand. And he was born to die. Can we reciprocate some of that love to him this morning? The first thing about this love that Mary had at sacrifices, and love always sacrifices, love gives. You never read of Mary Magdalene saying, the Lord, I love you. You see, talking is cheap and singing is cheap. But real love is costly. It's sacrificial. Luke tells us that the moment, from the moment she was saved and delivered, she ministered unto him of her substance. That's what Luke tells us. In other words, she supplied the Savior and the disciples. She supplied them and supported them with all that she could. That's a sign of a young convert who loves the Lord. Some old stingy ones for years saved and you get nothing from you. Money, food, clothing, hospitality, anything that she could do or give, she did it. She was head over heels in love and love gives. And if you put money into that box, we never ask for a collection here. We never have to. Well, this place belongs to God from beginning to end. It's all paid for long ago. Let me say this. We never ask for money. Well, you put money into that box on your way out, and I'm not asking you to do that. But if you do, and if you don't do it out of love, God loves the cheerful giver. And love gives. What can I give to my Lord? What can I do for my Lord? Because he has done so much for me. It says of the Corinthians that they first of all give themselves unto the Lord. You know, the Corinthians church, Paul says, came behind in no gift, that all the gifts. Must be a mighty thing to see all the gifts operating in the church. That all the gifts, but they were full of carnality too. They had all the gifts, but they give themselves first to the Lord. Because 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, what if we speak in tongues of men or of angels, and we have not love. Friend, we can do all the capering on the outside and everything else, but no love. We need a baptism of love amongst the Christians for one another. We need a baptism of love amongst the Christian denominations. Mary was taken up. She put him first in his life. Love commands and love demands. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Herein is love. Remember Elijah says, Elijah came to the woman of Sarephath. She says, make me first. God wants to be first in your life. You heard that last night. I didn't know what Alan was going to preach on last night. I had this message prepared long before last night. He demands, he demands our life, our soul, our all, or anything else is no good. You trail into the meetings at all hours and come and go and think there's something else on the night and I'll not be on the night and this weekend I'm going away and I'm not bothering about the church. My friend, if you're not sold out for God, you won't be expecting blessing from 
He put us first. The greatest display of agape love was when he died on the cross of Calvary for us. How can we hold anything back from him this morning? Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all, my talents, my time, my ties, my trust. Mary had all those in order. So love, first of all, that motivated, it was love that motivated Mary to sacrifice. And it was love that motivated Mary to seek. Love seeks. Very early in the morning, we're told when it was yet dark. Between 4 and 5 a.m. on resurrection morning, Mary was up seeking the Savior. Well, the Word tells me if we seek for him with all our heart, we shall surely find him. I hope you're up in the mornings now. I hope you're gathering the manna before the dew goes off it and it starts to stink. I hope you're up in the morning before you go to work a good while because you'll not survive if you're not. Very early in the morning, she was up. I tell you, as many mother up all night with broken hearts. There's many mothers in the sum in this congregation this morning. And you've been up early mornings waiting for the phone to ring or the doorbell to ring or the noise of that car coming up onto the yard or up the lane or the bang of the door. And what does that? Love. Love. You young people this morning. Thank God for a mother's love. Thank God for a mother's love. But one, you're lying in your bed sleeping, she's up. And she's up getting things ready for you. You just start to treat her now a wee bit better. Do you hear that? Some of you need your ears cuffed when it comes to that. I well make you bow your head. Very early in the morning. Remember the Shunammite woman hungering and thirsting for her beloved. She woke up in the night and he wasn't there. And she rose and she went through the streets and she said to the watchmen, the ungodly watchmen, have you seen him whom my soul loveth? Let me tell you that Jerusalem this morning was hiving with people. There were hundreds if not thousands of people lying out on the streets waiting for daybreak to move away back some of the miles and miles from the Passover feast. And what's more, let me tell you that it was hiving with Roman soldiers and it was no place for a woman of her character either. But she's going to see the Savior. I am a dead Savior. We can't even come to worship a living Savior. And as she passed through that morning, let me tell you, there was an earthquake. And the veil in the temple ripped as well. There was a roar from the temple. There was an earthquake. 
And let me tell you something more. The graves opened and some of the Old Testament saints came out and walked into Jerusalem. Maybe Abram, maybe Daniel. I don't know who. It doesn't tell us. They walked into, they walked into Jerusalem. She might have met some of them. But it's not the Old Testament saints that she wants to see. And she has no fear. Perfect love casteth out fear. She has no fear. When you're filled with love, the fear will go. It wasn't the, it wasn't the soldiers. She wasn't afraid of the soldiers. She wasn't scared of the earthquakes. She wasn't gazing and looking at some of the saints if she met them going out. And when she came to the tomb, let me tell you this, the grave's clothes didn't disturb her. Nor did the angels, because when she saw the angels, she turned away from them. Do you read that? Where's he? It's him I'm after. It's him I want to see. It's him I want to touch. You say that this morning, it's not cars, and it's not houses, and it's not jobs. Not money. It's him. I want to see him. Where is he? Where have they laid him? And if you want to read that when you go home today, you'll see that five times she says, him. 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 I want him. The angel's not satisfied. The bed clothes tore up a lot. The napkin will not satisfy me. Sure, Peter and John went away after they saw them. But he will satisfy me. And I want to see him. Where is he? Love sacrifices, love seeks. Let me tell you something. Love stays. When the other's gone, she stayed. I happened to be in the Belfast City Commission many years ago, and at that time it was the longest trial in British history. There's been other longer ones since. It was even longer than the trial of the Cray twins in London. I was there when the sentences were put out to about 30 men. And if there'd have been murder, they'd have been all hung. For the things they've done. But you know, whenever the judge left the bench and the prosecution and the police and the defense and everybody else left, you'd see an old mother. A handful of old weeping mothers. Who stayed. Mary wouldn't be the type who would abandon her marriage easy when things got a wee bit tough. She wouldn't have been the kind that would abandon the church when COVID came either. Mary stood. She stood. She stood. Thank God for those who stay, those who stand. And that brings me to nearly the last one. Love sorrows. Twice we read of her weeping, and that word weeping is wailing. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard anybody wailing, but I have. It's an awful sight. There's a difference in weeping and wailing. Mary's wailing. Where, where, where is he? Oh, he has done so much for me. I love him so much. And he dead and bad. Just, just where is he that I can take him away? She was only a wee light woman. 
The Lord Jesus Christ was 33 and a half years, and I'd say he was, he was a strong man. A strong man. And there was a hundred pounds of ointment anointed with, on top of that. And she says, where is he that I may take him away? She wants to carry him, pull him away. She wants the dead body. She wants him dead. We don't want him alive. She says, I'll carry him away. Well, the last time she saw him, he was wrapped and he was dead. Oh, blessed love. Agape love. Mother's love. I tell you, it's sorrows. It was love for a brother that brought tears to Mary and Martha. It was love for a son that brought tears to David. Oh, Absalom, Absalom. It was love for a mother where the psalmist says, I bow down as one that mourns for his mother. It was tears that brought tears to the husband Abraham as he wept at the grave of his wife. Love weeps. It was love for the lost Savior that brought tears to Mary. Very finished, very soon I'm finished now. She wasn't the first Mary to weep over him. His own mother did weep over him. And the father wept over him, Joseph. On another Passover when he left, when they left Jerusalem and went down the road, they turned and saw he's not with them, supposing him to be in the company, thought he was with them, but he wasn't there. Now that was a day's journey. Number of days' journey. And they said, we suppose that he was in the company, but he wasn't in the company. Take you care this morning if you're going down the road and you think that you have the Lord and you haven't him at all. Supposition is one of the most dangerous things that one could have. You don't be supposing this morning about this. This is big business. You, you don't be supposing this morning at all. You should know. And shout it from the housetops if you do. My Redeemer lives. You should know this morning. Oh, yes, they are sorrowed after him too. Are you sorrowing for a lost Christ this morning? Huh? Sinner, you're here this morning and you're not saved. Do you ever sorrow? Do you ever weep at tear and say, Lord, Lord, where is this going to end if you don't save me, if you don't come into my life? Backslider this morning. You're as cold, as hard as that pulpit got. And you know why that is? Because you're not in the meetings, and you're not in the prayer, and you're not in the word. You're some other old junk. It's damning you. Poisoning your mind. Throw away half of these old phones and Googles and boxes and whatever else you call them. Go them away. We need to get back to God. Phones ringing every minute. Photographs coming up every minute. How on earth could you maintain a spiritual life with that? Fire the whole thing away to one side and start to seek the Lord. More contraptions today. Tablets and We'll not start to call them. I'll call them all the wrong name. But listen, we need something more. Supposing. Supposing. Love sacrifices, love seeks, love sorrows, love stoops. She bowed down. And looked, and that word looked inside there where it's mentioned, it means uh, scrutinized, she examined. She looked down and she examined. She looked in and she examined. Have you looked in and examined lately? Huh? 
Have you really got alone with God late and looked down and looked into your own heart and in your own soul and say, Lord, where am I now with all this? Because if you love the Lord, you'll look in. You'll look in. Love sees. Look at, do you know what it says in verse 14? And when she had thus said, she turned herself back. She turned back from the tomb, back from the angels. Because she's still not satisfied. Verse 14 says, she, she turned back and saw Jesus standing. <laughs> I love seas and love senses. She didn't see him as the Lord physically. She thought it was the gardener. <laughs> we could say a lot about that. Aye, but she, once he said, Mary, she sensed. She sensed, my sheep hear my voice. Have you heard his voice lately? Ah, come on, be honest. Have you really been reading his word and you've been really praying and something's in your heart and something's in your family and something's in your mind and, 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 and you, you know that things are not right or you want to change in direction and you want the Lord to help you and you're reading the word and, and you sense, you just sense, it's lovely. You just sense. That's the voice of God speaking to me. And she has no need to carry him away and drag him away now. <laughs> no, no. Ah, the other boys left too soon. Don't leave too soon. Don't lose. It depends on the quality of your love. Because if you love him with all your heart, you'll get your heart's desire. And I'm only saying what Alan said last night. You'll get your heart's desire. If you abandon all to him. I love Jesus. The Greek word is here, she clung on to his feet. She fell down. She could say, I found him. I found him. Sinner, I trust you'll say that this morning. If you want any help, come out that back when I get off of this pulpit. I found him. I found him whom my soul loveth. I found him. And he held him tight. Didn't it all, my friend, it all paid off for Mary, every bit of it. God will not disappoint you. That depends on you and me. We, we are as spiritual as we want to be. You want to say that again? You're as spiritual as you want to be. He's here, he's risen, he's able, he's mighty. It all depends on you, and we're praying for revival here, and God knows the hearts of people here, and the mourning, and the tears, and the weeping, and it's going to go on, and it's going to go on until it comes. And God knows our hearts. We're holding on. We're holding on. Hold on this morning. Don't be too quick to leave. Get back into the prayer meetings again if you've left. Love seized him by the feet. And he said, Mary, let me go. And I'm not going to explain what that means fully. But let me practically tell you what it means. Mary, you have a work to do. 
and I have a work to do. What have I to do? Go you and tell. Tell the disciples. I'd say them pair of boys were sick that day. Go you and tell. Tell them. There's a woman that brought the first message of the gospel. And the boys will not let them open their bacon and eat them. It was a woman that brought the first message of the risen Christ. Thank God for women and praying women and standing women and sorrowing women and sacrificing women. Thank God for them. Well, the church wouldn't exist without them. God always has his Marys. Love sensed Love sees, love sensed, love sends, go. And they went about their business. And that was the first of the five appearances on resurrection morning. A sinner condemned unclean that men would have avoided and hated and despised and abused. And God left, Lord lifted her. Don't you ever come across again as I finish now. Don't you ever come across the fact that your past is too great for God. But he'll not only forgive your sins, he's forget them. Now, carnal Christians, many of them will not forget. They know nothing about forgiveness, some of them either. Oh, give me a woman and give me a man. Delivered from this drink and drugs and sin and shame. Give me that woman set her on fire for God. Mighty weapon in the hand of God. God bless Mary Magdalene. And maybe I'll want to see her after I see the Savior. Maybe I'll want to see him before I see Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or John the Baptist. Or my old, old mother. Blessed amongst women was Mary. Blessed amongst women was this woman. May God take us, maybe take home this morning, something from this, and rejoice in the fact that your sins are forgiven. Let us pray, please.